0: Guess who?
1: <laughs> Surprise! <laughs>
0: it's Arts Interrupted.
1: Avery Friedman, Mike Watkins. It's us. Um, we're here bringing you your. <laughs> we're here bringing you your usual weekly roundup of all the quickly curated arts and culture news happening, and by all I mean some.
0: All right. Unfortunately, our first piece of news is not a positive one. Uh, comic book pioneer Stanley, who brought to you a bunch of your favorite superheroes has passed away this week. He was 95 years old, and unfortunately, he will no longer be making those signature cameos in the Marvel movies, but I guess the bright side of this is he's certainly established a pretty huge legacy. You can see how omnipresent superhero movies are, pretty much the biggest money makers around these days, so... He did a good job with his craft. So, another point, another piece of news is less tragic. Rapper Waka Flaka Flame has decided to call it quits. He said that he has done his job as far as being a rapper goes, uh, and he is a 32-year-old man who would like to focus on his wife and potentially starting a family. So, good news for Waka Flaka and Bad news for ragers who are hoping for another uh, violent hit. <laughs> we also have a new Netflix show coming up. It's called Rhythm and Flow, and it's yet another music competition series. The judges will be some A-listers, Cardi B, Chance the Rapper, and T.I., as oh well as gosh. some other big <laughs> names. Yeah, I cannot wait. Should be fun.
1: Imagine if they threw Sufjan Stevens into that mix who just happened to release a <laughs> Christmas little EP-ish type thing. It's three songs. It's called Appropriately Lonely Man of Winter and I haven't listened to it, but I can kind of picture what it probably sounds like and I'm very excited for it.
0: Get in that spirit. That sad, lonely, winter spirit of Christmas. <laughs> um, the CEO of Juul e-cigarettes. You've probably seen the The kids these days slurping on those USB-looking devices, uh, the little vapes. (laughs) (laughs) My
1: mom came to dinner the other week, and she asked me if I had heard of Jenny's. And at first I thought she was talking about a different drug. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, she was like, the things that now have nicotine in them that kids are addicted to. Yes. And she was, su- I was like, jewels? And she was like, yeah, I'm super concerned because I thought my generation was the first one to kick nicotine. And she's like, what are, she was like, what do you, what would you do if your kid had a jewel? How would you even know? I would never know if you had a jewel in your bed at night. Yeah, they're very it's inconspicuous. It's a valid concern. Yeah. If I had a jewel in high school, I would be able to hide that easily. Definitely. But it just seems like an unnecessary addiction. So I'm kind of glad that.
0: Yeah, it seems they're so getting happening. their act together. Yeah. So the news is that, they announced that they're going to eliminate some of their social media accounts and ban most of their flavored products from retail stores in an attempt to restrict access to minors. I kind of feel like this might be a ploy to make their brand more acceptable, as opposed to getting slapped with some uh, FDA regulations or something like that. So yeah, I'm really scared for when we're all good. fifty. Like, yeah. who knows? It's gonna happen some Surgeon to our General's as report. It's like gonna this. come out, and we're all gonna be dead. Exactly. If you draw, don't draw.
1: I watched the original Suspiria last night. A uh, 1970s Italian film. It's amazing, creepy. Really? Um, yeah, amazing. visually insane. But there is a new version out, still at the State Theater. Um, it stars Fifty Shades of Grey, star Dakota Johnson. And it is directed by Luca, cannot totally pronounce his last name, who directed Call Me By Your Name. It's not gotten the best reviews, but I've heard it's really visually awesome.
0: Is it possession stuff? Like demon shit? Witches. Witches.
1: That's what I'm hearing. Oh, Ooh. also Note from hearing. the producer, Sean Lang. <laughs> oh, Tom this York just does <laughs>
0: Tom York <laughs> of Radiohead does the score. So it's probably spooky and eerie. Amazing. Worth, worth a watch, probably.
1: We'll let you know because I'm probably going to see it really soon. So I'll, I'll bring it back next week.
0: <laughs> and that's all we have for entertainment news this week.
1: When I think of college life, I think of the pressure. To get good grades, to get a job after you graduate, the pressure to have fun, amongst all these other pressures, and to make the most out of your four years as a fake adult. It's somewhat of a circus of priority juggling. One facet of life I've consistently struggled to make sufficient time for is art, specifically music for me, and I know my co host Mike feels similarly. Between all the things we're assigned to do, and despite my wanting to commit to a creative outlet, it's always been difficult for me to carve out the intentional time to make music or other variations of art. In this episode, we'll talk to three University of Michigan students who do not have the same problem. Whether they've chosen an artistic major or are committed to their art outside of their classes, these three students have managed to keep art at the forefront of their college experiences. We even hear from an alum who graduated and packed up to live in L.A. to try to make it as an actress, screenwriter, and director. My co-host Mike Watkins will be walking you through the journeys of these three student artists from the University of Michigan.
0: Casey Jong is a senior studying comparative literature at U of M, and she is also a visual artist with an extremely unique and identifiable style of drawing. It's very bold with a lot of colors and and vivid facial expressions. Um, I've actually purchased one of her pieces. You can check out the art for yourself at her Instagram at bucatini underscore meatball.
2: So I think a lot of people tell me that I have a very distinct style that I don't really know how to describe. It's like I draw a person with one line almost. And it's not one line, but it looks like it's with one line. And I think that's how it started. Um, And it's all people all the time. And I think over time, I've kind of made the choice to leave a lot of ambiguity in those drawings in terms of like ways we categorize people by like gender or by race.
0: To Casey, although she isn't majoring in any form of art, it is still a necessity for her In addition to her homework and studying and and her job outside of school, art is a number one priority of hers as a means of processing and expressing her experiences.
2: I do it every day. I probably make three drawings a day, which is a lot. I spend a lot of time on it. And I, I started doing it because I was like lonely and bored and I thought it would be cool to be good at it. I think it's an outlet. I didn't really know what that meant before, but it definitely is like a, like an outlet. Like at the end of my day, that's what I want to be doing. When I'm stressed out, that's what I want to be doing. It's how I procrastinate and a lot of how I process things. It is very emotive, and I think it, a lot of the time it is meant to depict me or like a version of me.
0: Sean Siegel and Colin Farmer, on the other hand, have decided to stitch their art and their academics together. Sean.
3: So I came in actually a double major in the music school. I came in as a jazz and multidisciplinary studies major. So I ended up dropping jazz, but what multidisciplinary studies is, is that I get to study multiple things at one time. So I get to study jazz. I get to study composition. I get to take classes in computer music. I get to take classes in, in as many kinds of things as I want, which is really cool. And uh, it allows me like, just broad depth of studying.
0: Colin, uh, as well as pursuing his creative major, has also decided to double it with a more secure major, that is computer science, as a way to uh, pad his his future with more security. I'm Colin Farmer. I'm a junior at Michigan.
4: I am double majoring in computer science and what's now called uh, FTVM, film, te- film Television and Media. It used to be called SAC. They just changed it. So I've got I've got the creative side and I've got the boring coding side. Mm-hmm. I just I decided to take the intro film class because, I mean, it's college. It's like LSA Council for Humanities. So, like, why not? Yeah. Um, and the first film class you take is SAC 236 or FTVM 236, whatever it is, which is just a theory class about basically you just watch movies, analyze them, which I really liked and I thought it was really cool. So, I decided to take the first production class, which is basically like the only production class you can take as a non major. And I absolutely love that class and it is FTM 290. It's just intro to media production and it's three projects and they kind of give you a taste of everything. You get to shoot on 16 millimeter film. You get to do a like whole TV studio project and you get to um, do a digital video assignment. And just seeing all of that and being a part of it really, really like kind of sparks something in me that... I needed to do that and I was I was like going to be a computer science major at the time and computer science is a pretty big major and so I wanted to keep going in film but I didn't know if I could and my teacher for that film class is probably who I would credit for getting me to major in film her name's Terry Saris best teacher ever
0: Casey Sean and Colin view the relationship between their art and their academics differently. For Colin, majoring in both computer science and film gives him a sense of security regarding his his future career, while also giving him the creative credentials and freedom to pursue his passion after college.
4: I, I am interested in both studies.
0: If this was a perfect world, I'd probably just be majoring in film right now. Sean does see his multidisciplinary studies major as the best match for his artistic passions, but he did mention that he feels like most music schools fail to prepare their students for the real world.
3: I think now with multidisciplinary studies, it's actually closer to what I want to be doing after college than, than the jazz thing was. And even though I love studying jazz and I love doing jazz and it's a great vessel to become a better artist and a better musician, You know, after school, I I could see myself doing musical directing and uh, producing and things along that line in the music industry. And multidisciplinary gives you kind of those tools in production and in the technical uh, side of music, you know, recording and all all that side, which, you know, something like jazz wouldn't really give you. Uh, So I think now what I'm doing is definitely giving me a lot more of a push in that direction. There's an inherent problem with a lot of music schools in this way, you know, some programs at some schools are great at kind of fostering a career and a life after college, but I think a lot of schools fall short of preparing you for the real world.
0: Casey realized this conflict between art and academics that Sean mentioned. Regardless of that, she still considered majoring in art when it became more than just a hobby.
2: I never thought about applying to art schools when I was applying to colleges, because at that point I wasn't really making that much art. But after my freshman year, I thought about applying to do a dual degree with stamps, and I was gonna do it. My portfolio was not what they wanted it to be, and the timing just didn't work out, and it was super rushed, and I um, that just wasn't what I the kind of stuff I wanted to be doing, and I didn't know if I wanted to spend like an extra year of school doing art that I didn't really love and care about for like grades in order to hopefully become better at it in other ways that I enjoyed
3: more.
0: So at this point it's clear that each student has a different idea of how their art relates to their academics. But they also differ in how their art relates to other people, specifically their families. Colin, for instance, while he is pursuing an education in film, he realizes that it's a a bit of a risk when it comes to his familial relationship.
4: My parents, especially, who I'm lucky enough my parents are paying for my school, which is very, very nice. And it's very, like, you can't take that kind of thing for granted. But there is quite a bit of pushback from them, me just double majoring. So if I were to drop computer science, that would be, they would not be happy with that. Probably would not get any, be getting school paid for, probably, yeah, it would just be would
0: damage the relationship quite a bit. Sean, on the other hand, has had full support from his parents from the start, making the pursuit of his passion in college pretty much a no-brainer.
3: Like I said, I only had one skill in high school, or you know, so I thought, so people told me, and I and I decided that you know I loved music enough to want to pursue it in a professional way, and I knew I knew that was a difficult career. I knew I didn't think in any way that it would be easy, but I I thought at the time you know this is the one thing I want to do, but at, there were all these social pressures to go to college. And if I wasn't in the same town, I probably would have skipped college altogether and just pursued music. But definitely my parents were very supportive of it. They weren't, they, they weren't at least in the beginning, they weren't uh, shutting me down in any way. They they wanted me to pursue what I, what I loved. And, uh, I, you know, that's the best case scenario. Hopefully you get parents like that. You definitely get some uh, under the radar kind of, you know, Jabs at what you're trying to do by family members people like saying oh You know, it's like I hear that's really hard But are you enjoying it or like are you uh, do you think you're getting what you wanted out of it? It's just like these kind of backwards compliments that are like well I hope you're happy and you're not gonna make any money when you grow up, you know So there's a lot of that
0: in Casey's case as someone not pursuing art professionally she actually receives some support that she doesn't even feel like she needs.
2: I think when everybody started to realize that there were that some people existed who would want to pay money for it, everybody else started taking it really seriously and tried to build me like websites and get me to apply to like art shows and talk to like this gallery curator and stuff that I think is like way out of my league and um, that I'm just not sure I want to really pursue right now. The pressure feels a little more on now from like people who are who feel like there's potential that I'm not like cashing in on,
1: literally, <laughs> literally cashing in on. And what is what does like your mom think of it? It's always so interesting when like your friends <laughs> you know? have a really strong take on something. <laughs> you know? just, I've never heard you talk about this. Stuff.
2: My mom didn't have anything to say about it for a really long time. I think she like thought it was good that I had a hobby and it kept me well-rounded. She was into that. And then I actually, then I got this weird opportunity to show like six pieces at this brewery in Grand Rapids. It's called Atwater. And we went there and we had lunch and she saw that my art was there and she was um, really, really excited. And she actually collected, like we brought the pieces back home and she started Trying to get like my family members to like get like to get them from us, and um, sometimes I leave I leave I live with my mom right now because my last semester I didn't want to sign a lease, and so I, it, that's really weird. And I leave all my art stuff around everywhere. And sometimes yesterday I walked into our our half bathroom, and there were three things of mine that she had like framed and put in this tiny bathroom mm-hmm. that she had just like taken off the table, that's cute. which is cute. And I was kind of like, Mom, you didn't <laughs> ask me about this. Um, But yeah, she's really supportive. She likes it a lot. I think she just wants me to do what makes me happy. (laughs)
1: Cute.
0: While all of these creatives may have varying backgrounds and support systems, they share similar ideas of success that all seem to revolve around happiness and contentment. Sean.
3: I always just say, be successful enough to support myself doing what I want to do and I don't know exactly what it is that I'm gonna end up in, fall into, in music or in art but uh, as long as I can keep supporting myself and maybe a family that'd be great.
4: And Colin? My plan out of school is to hopefully never use my computer science degree. (laughs) Um, Love it. um, Yeah I'm probably going to, I got to go to LA for the first time this summer because my, actually my dad's job moved out there, ironically. So <laughs> I went to visit my dad, and that just made me kind of want to major in film more, because like, I mean, the two big cities are L.A. or New York. And um, I went to L.A. this summer, and I, I really, really like it there. And a lot of my friends who graduated um, last year are out there now, and every single one of them has a job. Granted, it's like, you know, intro film stuff. It's not like the most exciting stuff. Like one of them was doing like daytime courtroom TV but like nonetheless they all have jobs so like that's not really a worry for me at all yeah i feel like it might take some time i know it's going to take some time to find a job but like it's it's not like that far-fetched of a thing to just get your foot in the door i don't think um coming out of this school at least um so i'm pretty confident that i could get a job out there and at least start to try to work my way up so that's kind of the plan is to do the whole trek out to la and see how that goes um and hopefully
0: I never have to use my computer science degree. Since Casey's art is more of a hobby, her her goals are a bit different than Sean and Colin, but they still embody the same idea of contentment.
2: It's definitely never been my main source of income, and I never, for a, a couple of years, I d- had, didn't make any money off of it, and I didn't want to because it's kind of hard to convince yourself that people want to spend money on something that you like make three times a day. And I do think about it when I think about graduating, um, and part of what's hard is that looking at jobs that involve like design or like visuals um, or illustration are like mostly graphic designy now. So you need to be like really f- fluent in a lot of like software things that I don't know. Um, and you need to have experience that I don't have. And people don't really want to hire you to like draw things by hand, <laughs> which makes sense. <laughs> um, so that's one kind of barrier. To entry in terms of like careers in that, but another one I think is just that I, um, it's never been work and it's never been graded or like assessed or I've never really worked with much of a deadline, um, and I just really like it that way. I think mm-hmm. it like that's part of what makes it an outlet and part of what makes it um, it makes it a little more personal and a little bit more productive for me, I think, when I'm doing it on my own.
0: Additionally, these creatives all provided similar advice regarding the pursuit of a creative major. They gave the classic, just do it.
3: If you're going to do it, if you if you have that inkling that you want to do it, and I think you kind of just have to give it hundred percent. There's no like, oh, I'll, I'll minor in it and hope that, you know, someone finds me.
2: I always tell people that if they have the time and the energy, they should just do it every day. But for a lot of people, I think that's not an option, which is also fine. And so the other thing I would say about balance is like not putting any like craft or any grade or any anything like that above just your well-being. And so I work and I go to school and I do this and I end up making a lot of sacrifices on like sleep or on certain assignments or like shifts that I don't end up picking up or something in order to do all those things. And I think everybody has to strike a different balance and do what they need to do to take care of themselves. But this is something I do to take care of myself. And so I make it a high priority.
4: I'm in a pretty like okay situation with my parents financially. Like they're paying for my school and it's like a lot of kids don't have that opportunity. So it can be really, really scary to like go for something that's not going to give you that much money. But I I still think it applies, like, if you're genuinely passionate about something, like, and you're in college, you're at the school, like, now's the time to go for it. And I know, that's like the, like, I'm, like I said, that's like a very easy thing for me to say, I think. Like, I have pushback from my parents, but like, at the end of the day, is that really fucking matter? Right no. I think if you're really passionate about it, you will be able to find a way out of school to sustain your life, yeah. be okay, and do what you really like.
1: We just heard from three students actively juggling their creative endeavors along with their academic pursuits, so now let's hear from someone who has made it out of the undergraduate battleground and, after graduating from the University of Michigan, has fully dedicated her life to her art.
5: Hello, I'm Anna Garcia. I am a filmmaker and actor in Los Angeles, California, Um, and I am from Michigan originally.
1: Anna has been living it up in L.A. for over a year now, and she's already achieved her three first-year goals. One, get representation. Two, audition for a TV show. And three, do a commercial. She landed a commercial for Duracell Batteries, which I was shook to see while watching 60 Minutes with my family. And when she isn't pursuing her career as an actress and a filmmaker, Anna works part-time in a Pilates studio and documents her life hilariously via Instagram. After hearing about her life in L.A., we are interested in learning how her academics played a role in her artistic pursuits and how she views her college experience now.
5: I feel pretty lukewarm about you teacher. Like, mm-hmm. it's, um, it was good. I, like, got a lot of tools from it. There's some teachers that I absolutely love, but there's also, like, problems within it, and it's a lot of history and theory, which I just did not care about. Not, not that those aren't, like, cool things. People should totally love them, and it's, like, very interesting for my reasons. Um, <laughs> I, not to shit on everyone that loves those things. No, so but, like, maybe also just, like,
1: not as relevant to your goal.
5: Yeah, 100%. Like, I I love comedy, and, like, there's not a lot of things in my major tailored for women that want to do comedy. I think a lot of my experiences at Michigan and, like, the people I, I got to work with over, like, the four years, like, really helped form, like, what I wanted to do. I think, like, I, I honestly think, like, my extracurriculars at Michigan were, like, the most important, like, made me more successful in my career today than, than my major.
1: In addition to her education and extracurriculars, Anna credits her friends and family for encouraging her to pursue her artistic goals. I consider
5: myself, like, so lucky. I I know for so many people it's not this way, but my family was, like, very supportive all throughout my my college career, and, like, moving to LA like they were they were like yeah you know this is what you need to be doing like you need to go out there and like give it everything because you know when are you going to do this again so my family has been so amazing throughout throughout all this and I you know I feel super super lucky and you know a lot of my friends out here are also actors so we have kind of each other to lean on and yeah all that stuff and it's hard I know a lot of people move to LA with like out of community of friends and I'm I definitely feel lucky to have people out here. This career, as as a person that is very supported, like, it is still emotionally very taxing and, like, not necessarily fun a lot of the time um, because it's just a handful of rejection, like, all the time. So it's, like, having rejection from your career and then to not have, like, a board to fall back on, like, that's, that's really hard. Like, I have even more admiration for people that, like, are really sticking it out alone, like, and I... Always in like hoping I can help people even though I'm like still no one you know, like it's it's um it's pretty grueling, I think. And yeah. I'm definitely like a a lucky, privileged person.
1: <laughs> With their friends and fam by her side, Anna's clearly accomplished a lot in her short time on the West Coast and she's got some great advice for those pursuing a similar path.
5: My advice is that, like, just do, do it. Like, you absolutely have no choice if it's what you want to be doing. Like, go at everything with a fiery passion. Like, th- this industry is not made for, for the weak or the faint-hearted. Like, it's, it's savage, and if you want it, go, absolutely go for it with everything you have. It, it's hard. It's hard because... Fin- financially, it's a very can be unsustainable career for the very beginning. So be doing everything you can. Um, absolutely rely on the resources you have around you. Like use LinkedIn advanced search and find people and message them. Like like go balls to the wall and like really go after your dream because now oh, ah I pressed the number six. Um, That's okay. okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry, I didn't um, even hear it. Oh my God! For me, it was a it was a be beeping sound. Uh, I think that um, yeah, use, using your resources and like and being bold is like so big and like DMing people that you like want to work with. And but I think like I think I feel lucky to have, have been able to push myself through this. And like I think that I would regret if I didn't give my everything now. So I would say go for it. Reach out to people in your community or vaguely outside of your community, like, email me. Like, I'm, I'm here <laughs> if people have questions. And, yeah, it's not easy. It's, it might never be easy, but it's totally worth it.
2: Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Arts Interrupted.
3: We'd like to give a big shout out to Casey Jong, Anna Garcia, Sean Siegel, and Colin Farmer.
2: Our hosts are Avery Friedman and Mike Watkins.
3: We are engineered by Ryan Cox and Brad Gerwin does our theme music.
2: Our producers are me, Olive Scott,
3: and me, Sean Lang.
2: Our junior producers are Livy McKenzie
3: and John Fabie Baby Fabian.
1: up to the club underscore self-destruct again
2: yeah okay casey jong pussy